Hey guys, welcome to the Do It For The Process podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jeffords. I'm an artist, educator, mother of three, and I'm really honored to be with you here today. Today is day two in the Share The Work Challenge, day seven in the Share The Work series. So if you've been keeping up with us, if you've been you know listening along the way, you know today is going to be very good. If you are just catching up, this is a great day to dive in. Listen to this episode and then listen to the episodes that I refer to in this training. Um, I refer to the episode about how to know if your work is good. I refer to making artwork, which opens for enrollment on Thursday. I'm very excited by that. Making artwork is a 12-week course that I teach for creative entrepreneurs and the doors open so soon and I can feel the energy building in the creative community, attracting the right people. It's going to be a very passionate and very inspiring course. I can already tell. The things that we're planning are lighting me up. The things that we have scheduled are incredibly cool. The guest experts that we're bringing in this year are top-notch, incredibly inspiring creatives, and it's going to be a good year. I can already tell. If you'd like to learn more about that, go to emilyjeffreyslearn.com forward slash course. I also reference a video series. So if you want to watch any of this, you can. You can even watch this episode, actually. If you want to watch this episode or any of the past videos, click on the link below and that will take you to the Share the Work video course and the live training series. Now, today, you're going to notice that this episode is kind of long. (laughs) I thought in in my planning of this week, I thought I would just keep these episodes really short and action packed and quick and easy. But the training today that we did live in our private Facebook group was so meaningful and so layered and had so much goodness in it that I don't really want to chop it up or I don't want to condense it into a 15 minute quick podcast episode. So I want you to hear the whole thing. What I'd recommend doing is if you're able to go grab a pad of paper and your favorite pencil, make sure it's super sharp or a pen, whatever you prefer and get ready to take notes. In addition to a notebook and paper, I also have a worksheet for you to fill out, which I talk about at the end of this episode, but you can download that in the show notes below as well. So go do those things and settle in for a very nourishing conversation. Today, we're talking about how to communicate the value of what you create with your audience, how to use empathy to meet your audience where they are, how to attract the right audience, and everything in between. It's a very full episode. It's almost an hour long, maybe even over an hour after I get done talking here. (laughs) And every minute of it is full of nourishing wisdom and action-packed advice for you. So like I said, I couldn't cut any of it out. I think you're going to see why as we get into it. Now, this is a recording of a live training I did. I'm sitting in my studio. You can see me sitting in my studio if you wanna watch the video. You are welcome to do so, see my face see my studio space, see all the things, the paintings on the ground, all the things. Um, or you can listen here and the audio is pretty good, but you know, it sounds like I'm in a, in a large room with wooden floors and a high ceiling because, because I am. So, um, but don't let that stop you from listening. It's really, really, really good. If the content is gold, gold. So let's dive in. Okay. You ready? share the work. This is day two in our five-part training series and challenge. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm in the studio today, as you can see, obviously, and it's really good to be here. Although, <laughs> just to give you some context, um, on the floor behind me, there are, well, you can't really see them. On the floor behind me, there are stacks of paintings that are drying. Actually, they're not drying anymore, they're, they're dry. Um, they were photographed yesterday, and now they're going to be leaving my studio soon. And then over here, you can't see this, and I'm not gonna show you because this is a, a beautiful space. <laughs> this is not. Um, I have new chairs that just came in, of course. Of course they just came in, right? And so I have stacks of boxes over here that are just hidden off camera. So <laughs> welcome, welcome. Good to see you guys. Hi, Brooke, good to see you. Jocelyn, Nina, good to see you. Hi, Lauren. I love seeing people from the collective in here, which is making me feel like it's home. Good to see you guys. Hi, Sarah. All right, it sounds like everything is sounding good. So I, oh my gosh, I apologize. Um, the studio is right on a rather residential road, but it's a really straight road, which in Greenville, we don't have a lot of long straight roads. So this is one of the roads that people like to drive their fancy cars on. And uh, it's a little noisy. So if we hear loud noises, it's just the crazy drivers outside. It's fine. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, from Piedmont. You're nearby. Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome, Carol. Atlanta, Georgia. That also feels like it's so nearby. I go to Atlanta, well, pre-COVID as often as possible. And it's a great place. I love that city. You guys have such good food. Uh, if you're in Atlanta, this is a sidebar, not part of the content at all. But if you're in Atlanta or if you visit Atlanta, go to a place called Little Bear. I love food. I am a kind of a, an amateur foodie. And Little Bear was one of the best meals of my life. It was incredibly good. So if you're near there, eat there for me. Just, just do it for me. Okay, but we're here not to talk about food, although we could be, let's be real. We're here to talk about how to share your work with your audience and how to share your work with the world more boldly and more beautifully. And we're gonna dive into that today. So just to recap yesterday, because yesterday, if you haven't watched yesterday's video yet, that's fine, but do that after this because Yesterday's video is the foundation to your career throughout the entirety of your career. Yesterday, we talked about how to really go inward and figure out why you do what you do, why you create, why you show up in your studio practice and in your, in your process. And once you know that, once you're really settled in, why do I do this? What does the process mean to me? Why does my work matter to me? Um, then you can share your work with your audience and with people that might resonate with your work and people that might understand and appreciate your work. But until then, your work is going to be a little bit scattered and it's not going to have that depth that it needs to have to really communicate clearly. Um, that being said, yes, you can make artwork out of anything and you can put a toilet in a gallery and call it art and that is totally valid. And in fact, I think that even proves the point further in that you can create meaning and intentionality out of artwork even if your work isn't perfect yet. Even if your work isn't a masterpiece yet because our work is never a masterpiece. We're always on a journey. We're always progressing slowly and steadily and getting better and better and better until we're done which we're not going to think about that. Um, so we're always progressing. We're always striving for better and striving to improve and to elevate and to perfect something about our process. And that is 
honestly, that is the most intoxicating thing about being a creative. And the more you can settle into that, and especially if you're at the beginning of your career and you're kind of like, I love creativity, but my work, you know, maybe you can imagine it being better. I can imagine my work being better. Maybe you can imagine it being like more refined and a little bit more free or, or careful or whatever, however you want to head with your work. You can see that progress just ahead and your hands have to kind of catch up with your abilities. That is the most delightful thing about being a creative entrepreneur. That is the most exciting thing about being a human in all areas of life, in my opinion, but especially in the studio. So if you're feeling that, settle into it and honestly enjoy the ride because it is so much fun. The moment I kind of flipped that switch in my head and thought, I'm not going to create for the external reward. I'm not going to create for the clout, for the praise, for the dollars, for the whatever, for the likes on Instagram, for whatever. Those are all things that I can't control. They're riding by again. <laughs> I can't control those things. Those are completely outside of my realm of, of um, influence. I, you know, that's, I can't change those things. The only thing that I have control over and that I can change is how I show up in the studio and how much joy I allow that process to bring to me. So settle into that. Um, like I said, go through the worksheet from day one. It is so helpful. I know you might read it and think, not helpful. I don't have time for this. Scooch on by. No, 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 no. Absolutely not true at all in any way whatsoever. So settle in. Get really clear on those things, and then you can move forward from there really passionately and with so much grounding and so much depth to what you do and what you create. Okay, that was all a rabbit trail, slash not a rabbit trail, very, very important, but I didn't really intend to start preaching today. But here we go, I'm doing it. <laughs> okay, as we start today, I would love to know what brings you here today? And, you know, kind of going back to yesterday, go inward. What are you actually here? to do? What are you actually here to show up and to gain or to achieve or to learn um, during our time together? Um, there are a lot of things. You might be just beginning your business and wanting to find some you know, footing, find some grounding and some growth. You might be running a business and you're like, all right, I've gotten to this point and now I'm kind of stuck or I'm feeling like I don't have momentum anymore. And you want to kind of figure out how to grow past there. Um, so that's number two. Uh, number three would be that you've grown your career really well. And then 2020 happened and kind of shook everything. And now the things that you thought worked, they're not working anymore. Or the things that you found success in are now gone. Maybe you did a lot of live events or a lot of in-person shows. Those things will come back. You will get that back in your life. But if you're feeling like 2020 kind of rocked my energy or my actual practice or my actual business model, oh, I understand that. I feel that too. I think 2020 kind of shook all of us in that way. Um, or maybe you don't really want to run a business. You just want to find joy in creating work and in sharing your work. So if one of those resonated with you, let me know. That way I kind of get a sense for um, your needs and I can kind of speak to those in general. Okay, so Sarah says number one, she's feeling like she wants to begin a business. She's just at that beginning stage where she's like, all right, I've got this. I know that I love creating. I know that I love doing this work, but how does it grow? How does it become a business? How does it become something that, you know, really sustains me? I 
that's such a fun place. Oh, I, I honestly, if I could, um, if I could tell you one thing and if I could tell myself something from that phase, it's a very fun phase. Everything is, everything is malleable. Everything during that phase of your creative career is exciting and ahead of you and completely possible. Um, actually my mom was at my house yesterday. (laughs) She came over last night and, um, she was kind of asking me how the day went and, you know, how things are going. And she wasn't making fun of me. She was just like relating to me. She's like, I feel like you just kind of sit in front of your computer all day and say, you can do it. You really can. It's possible to make money as an artist. I'm like, yeah, that's actually very true because no one else says that. Like no one else tells you that. It's not a common theme to hear that in the business world or in society or in art school. Honestly, I left art school and I was like, okay, cool. Now what jobs can I get? And they're like, um, you could work at a gallery or um, you could work at a frame shop. Those are literally the two options I got. Work at a gallery as a gallery assistant or work at a frame shop. Why on earth did I pay four years of college education to work at a frame shop or a gallery? No, I mean, those, those are great jobs. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted to hear, you can go be an artist, right? Like that's what you studied to be. Go do that. But that's not what I was told because, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky business. But in the words of my mother, you can do this. You've got this. You can be an artist. <laughs> It made me laugh so hard. I was like, yes, you're right. That is what I say. Yep. And that's what we all need to hear every single day. So I'm just going to keep saying it and it's going to, it's going to eventually stick and the creative community will, will change and it will evolve because of those very simple words. We can do this. We can be artists. We don't have to starve. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to be destitute. We don't have to rely on others. We don't need a gallery or a patron. You can do this. Ah! Okay. Okay. Another printing. Okay. Come back, Emily. (laughs) All right. Let's see here. Um, Emma says she's in the, I'm doing a million different things, creative phase, and it doesn't make, make a business I can promote. Mm, Yeah. So you're feeling like you create a lot of different work and it's time to kind of corral all of that into something that is understandable by your audience and that they can go, Oh yeah, I get that. And Emma, just to that point, you can create a lot of different things. Inside of my business, um, actually inside of Making Your Work, we do this great exercise where we talk about what is your highest work, and then we kind of talk about all the other things that you create in your business and how it all fits under the umbrella of your business. And your business can and should be multifaceted. If you rely on just one thing to bring in all of your income, that one thing has to be so strong. It has to be like Tylenol selling Tylenol, you know, like that one thing that literally everyone wants and needs. And you know that you can sell that consistently year round, no matter what, which in a creative business, most of us don't have that one thing that is that hot seller that we can just do one of, you know what I mean? So even in my business, I have several different painting styles. I offer several different educational resources. I do retreats, I do workshops, I do mentorships, I offer prints, I offer products, I offer, what else do I offer? I can't even think right now. All kinds of things, all kinds of things. And they've shifted over the years. So I think, uh, let yourself do a million things, but 
give your audience the, um, the benefit of keeping things packaged simply so that they can understand it clearly. And we can talk way more about that in making it work if that sounds right for you. We talk a lot about how to have a very diverse business, licensing, wholesale, everything. You can do whatever you want as long as it's communicated clearly to your audience and they're not confused. So that, I, just feel free, feel free. Freedom is the, uh, is the ticket to a successful creative career, in my opinion. So, okay, um, let's see. Jenny says I'm at the beginning stage, but I really want to grow my artistic skills and grow my business. Oh, that's awesome. My first two collections went really well, but now I'm feeling like I'm struggling. Mm, that's really, that's honestly, Jenny, that's a really beautiful place to be because you know that you can show up in the studio. You've created two collections, so you know that you are dependable. Now you have to figure out how can I make my marketing dependable so that you consistently have people coming in the door and finding joy in your work. That kind of that endless, um, in, inside of the share the work video series, I talked about the three things that make your business healthy. One is your work, your creative work, whatever they may be, your, your product. If your product is good, then that's not the issue. And when I say issue, please know that I think of issues as space to explore and space to refine and space to have fun and to play and to make things more beautiful and more connective with your audience. So just keep that framework in mind. So you have your product and then you have your marketing, which is how you reach people, how you communicate about your product, what, what you're sharing out in the world, photos, text, um, videos, all the ways that you're connecting with your audience via all the different mediums, not just Instagram, but everywhere. However people can see your work in the world, that's marketing. And then third is your audience. So we have our product, is it good? Is it working? Is it successful? Is it, is it speaking on its own, which we'll talk about that today. And then we have our marketing, which is how your work is like, you know, experienced out in the world. And then we have your audience. Are you reaching the right people? Because if you're reaching the wrong people, then you can be talking all day long. But if I sell, you know, portraits of babies to first time parents, but I'm talking to people that don't have kids, that's not going to work very well, right? So you have to make sure that you're reaching the right audience. Not everyone wants your work. And that's actually a good thing. Not You are not Tylenol. You are a creative who's selling a connective emotional product, which means you're only going to attract some people to your work. So you have to make sure that you're attracting them, which we'll talk more about. Don't worry. We're going to get more into that. That's exciting. Um, Jen says, my biggest challenge is growing my audience. I have a great website, small 170 person email list but I feel like I'm marketing to the same people. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, uh, that marketing to grow your audience bit is what you're, what you're waiting to focus on. And I think that's a good thing to be aware of because now you can play in that area. Um, in Making Art Work Module 10, we talk about marketing in the three spaces, which is reaching and connecting with a cold audience, people that don't know who you are, they don't know your name, but you know that they're probably right for you via, you know, you're writing on the right blogs, you're reaching the right podcasts, you're sharing your work in the right kinds of ways, your SEO is good, that cold audience outreach. And then you have your warm audience, people that are aware of you and they really enjoy you, but they may not be your buyers yet. They may not be your, your customers yet. And then you have your hot audience, people that are either your diehard fans, they would support you through anything. 
and or your actual buyers, people that have purchased things from you and will continue to do so in the future. So yeah, we can definitely get into that quite a bit more. Okay, let's dive into today's content. Um, you have a worksheet in your inbox. If you have not downloaded that yet, go do that now. And I think Haley can post a link to that here if you need one. Um, let me pull it up on my end. I didn't do that first. Give me a second. I'm gonna open this up so we can all see it as well. Okay, challenge, workbook, day two. Okay, perfect. So today we're gonna to talk about, I'm actually, I'm actually gonna talk about quite a lot today. So if you are a note taker, pause for a minute and go grab a notebook. I'll take a sip of water while you do that. We'll all be good. Because we're gonna talk about how to share your work and your vision with your audience today and how to help them understand the value of what you create. And this is gonna be applicable if you are just beginning to share your work. If you're like, okay, I'm finally gonna do this thing and I'm gonna try and it's gonna be fine. I feel you, I remember that phase and it's, oh, it's so much fun. Um, or if you are much further along and you've you know, really shared a lot of your work but you're finding that you need to grow. The nice thing about this, this um, content or this, the things that we're gonna talk about today is if you're in that beginning phase, just wrap your mind around it and try doing it. If you're further along, then listen to everything I say and then think, how can I reiterate? How can I perfect? How can I improve the things that I'm doing? We'll talk more about that on, um, on Thursday as well, that, that trying something and then examining it, examining it and seeing how it worked and then elevating it as you need to. That's so much fun. You guys know I love playing with, with problems and these are all delightful problems. But the beautiful thing about yesterday's content is if you have your mission defined and you have your purpose defined, then you can think, okay, I know what it means to me. I know what it means to my process. Is that coming through in my work? And we're going to talk about this in, um, in four sides, kind of. First, we're going to talk about get clear on your work, why your work matters to you. That's yesterday's content. So spend time there. Two. Is that value being conveyed to others via the aesthetics and the quality of your work itself? Your work is having, it has the ability to speak on its own, which is really empowering and freeing for us as creatives because your work is communicating on its own behalf, not even on your behalf, but on its behalf. It is out there in the world speaking on its own. Van Gogh is dead. Monet is dead. Their work is still speaking today. You walk into a, the Louvre and see any painting by the masters, then it's still communicating powerfully and beautifully on its own, even though the artist is no longer with us. Like that is so awe-inspiring to me. That's why art museums are so special to me because you walk in there and you feel the message of the artist. You feel what they were feeling. You feel what they wanted to express so beautifully in this medium that never goes away. Like, that's just amazing. It's amazing. And it can do it even though the artist can't speak for themselves anymore. So your work is out there in the world speaking on its own, but it's your job as the artist to, to think, what is the work saying? 
How is it communicating? Am I, as the artist, doing my job of communicating clearly through this medium? And that's where um, insiders share the work in the video series. That that lesson about is your work um, how to know how to know if your work is worth selling? Is your work good? That entire process of gently evaluating your work and discerning its merits, discerning if it's speaking on your behalf effectively, it's so important to your career because if you can get honest about that process. Again, with so much gentleness infused and so much knowledge that you are on a process, you are growing slowly. And that's completely fine and very normal. <laughs> none, of us, none of us leave art school creating masterpieces, most likely. Um, some people do, and they're annoying, but whatever. <laughs> we all are working our entire lives to perfect our medium. But if you can work on that process, and if you, if you can think about your work from the outside, how is it appearing to your audience? Then your work can speak on its own and you don't have to do all the talking, which is delightful. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's number two. Number three is to define who your ideal audience is and where they feel most comfortable. That's something that we'll talk quite a lot about. Um, we'll get into that. And we talk a lot about it inside of making our work because we often tunnel vision to where we feel most, most comfortable. Where I feel most comfortable is hiding behind my phone and staying in my living room and not talking to anybody. That's where I feel most comfortable. But where I found most growth is not in my living room hiding behind my phone. Where I found most growth is when I'm with people engaging in spaces that make me a tiny bit nervous because my work deserves for me to show up. My work deserves for me to be brave. So. Okay, number four is how can you use empathy to share your work more effectively? And I can't wait to talk about that. Okay, let's start back with number one. Quick recap, get clear on why the work matters to you. Revisit yesterday's content. Really, I keep saying this, but spend time there. I say this because when you know why you show up in the studio, you will have a long career that will fill you the entire way. It'll make you happy the entire way. Even if you decide to never run a business, you don't want to sell your work, you want to just create. That's all you have to do because that work is filling you in that creative process. So why do you create? What meaning does it bring to the world? What messages do you convey through your art? And really get clear on, on that last one in particular as we move into this phase where we're thinking, okay, what message do I convey with my art? And now we're gonna tip it into, look at your work from the outside. Is your work speaking effectively in line with your message? So if you're creating something that you want to be perceived as moody and soulful and poetic, look at it from the outside. Is it actually being viewed that way? And honestly, you're not really in charge of this phase. If the work is good, if it has done what you wanted it to do in the studio, then when you put it in the world, you have to trust that it can speak on its own. You have to trust that the work is going to say what it needs to say to each individual person. And that's so special. That is so special. The fact that your work gets to speak to somebody and hopefully gets to add value to their life or add some hope to their life or add something good to them. That is such an honor. Um, so, don't let that overwhelm you. Let that be just like, a, oh my goodness, what? My work, my little, my thing that I created in the studio now gets to speak and be big and bold on its own. Um, so look at your work from the outside. What is it actually saying? At least to you, at least to you. Um, and I'm assuming that it'll probably say similar things to other people as well. 
I have one painting that I created that had so many mixed responses. So back to that point of you're not really in charge of this phase. You can only do your whatever you set out to do in the studio. Did you accomplish that? And if so, then it's good. But when it goes to speak, you know, out in the world, you don't have much control over how it's being perceived necessarily. I have one painting that I created that was really like pearly skies, grays and creams and, you know, really like kind of rainy, but also I thought of it as just like a monochromatic, you know, beautiful landscape. Um, so in my mind, it was very like light and, and bright and beautiful. Well, I had an open, or an open studio. People were coming to the studio and I got to hear their responses to the artwork. And it was so interesting because they were all, it was a beautiful painting and I was really proud of it. And it was really big and up on the mantle and, you know, made a big deal about. Um, and the responses were so varied. Uh, it sold right away. So I had a red sticker on it. Now people could just go and, you know, appreciate it or talk about it. And they would be like, oh, wow that's so moody and dark and like stormy and cozy. Or they would say, that feels so angelic. Like I'm looking into heaven. I'm like, I mean, yes to both of those, but which one is right? They're all right. They're all right. So everyone can have their own, their own views and their own perception of the work. But when your audience sees your products and your creative work, what is it saying out in the world? And how can you help it say what you want it to say? And you can have some influence in this via your artist statement or your website copy or your caption on, on Instagram, whatever you're using to communicate about that piece. You do have some influence in this process because you can say what it means to you, which then is going to in, you know, influence your viewer also. Uh, return to the share of the work. How do you know if your work is good? And really just if you're kind of overwhelmed by this phase, go back to that lesson and use those 10 questions to help to figure out, is my work good? Does my work meet these 10 criteria? And if so, then yes, go for it. Share it, share it boldly. Okay. So kind of thinking about how does my work look from the outside? Um, that's step two. Step three is, am I letting my work speak to the right audience? Because like I said, not all audiences are your ideal audience. In fact, it's very helpful to think who is not my audience? Who is not my person? Um, high school boys, they're not my person. I love them. They're hilarious. I have some brothers that just love high school. They're very young. Um, and they're delightful. I love high school boys. They're not my person though from my creative work. They're not my buyer. They're not my customer. Um, additionally, uh, there are other demographics and things that just I've noticed don't resonate with my work that much. And that's fine. Um, people who love, oh gosh, I don't know, like pop culture and comics and like bright, flashy things. That's not what I create. So that's probably not what they're going to be into. So we all have different aesthetics. I give the example in the video series of if uh, someone paints dragons. I don't love dragons. It's not really something that I'm like, oh, dragons, yes, thank you. I've been wanting to see this. I'm in, let me learn more, I've got this. That's just not what I've naturally gravitated to as a human at any time in my life. It's just not, that's not what I've loved. My daughter, on the other hand, she lives in my house. We have the same dinner. We have the same music in our home. We have the same everything. She loves dragons. She is really into Aragon and How to Train Your Dragon. And there's another dragon movie. Uh, Wings of Fire novels and all of these things. 
dragons, dragons, dragons. <laughs> so because of that, when we walked through an art fair pre-COVID, but you know, when we walked through an art fair, we usually have a dragon print in our bag because she loves dragons. So you know, get to know your audience and be okay with the fact that your work is not for everybody. Not everyone has to love your work, which means if someone doesn't respond favorably, hopefully they're not rude, but even if they are, just go, it's not for you. No big deal. It's not for you. Um, when you begin wholesaling your work quite a bit, when you have your work out in the world and it's, you know, it's living life outside of your reach, which is so fun by the way, but when your work gets more exposure that way, you're also reaching people that you don't, maybe not, you know, you're not necessarily choosing to see your work as intentionally. Like if you invite someone into your studio, you're choosing to have them see your work. But as your work grows and is out in the world and extends far beyond your reach, you're not, you're not as in charge, which means you might get some people that are like, this is, this is ugly, or this isn't very well done, or, um, that's that's cute. I hate hearing that's cute. Come on. For me and for my aesthetic, don't say that's cute. No, I'm an Enneagram 4. I need you to talk about how deep and meaningful it is. So you might hear things that kind of rub you the wrong way. That is so fine. It's just not for them. It's not for them. So just move on. Um, okay. Let's talk about how to um, really reach that perfect audience. And this goes hand in hand with step number one and two. When you know why your work matters to you and you know that your work is speaking that value externally via the aesthetics, via the quality, via the images that you share, via the website that you've created, via all the ways that your work gets to live out in the world, your packaging, if it's on store shelves, um, every way, every single way that your work gets to meet the world, the quality and the message is being conveyed effectively. If that's happening well, let's talk about how to meet that perfect audience because that's the other side of this coin. It can't happen until number one and number two are done because those two are very important. Um, number two, making sure that your work is perceived with that quality infused all through it is a very big focus of making artwork. We talk about how to establish your work as a quality um, elevated product in every single module. <laughs> every single module we touch on this point. Because if your work is able to be perceived as quality and as something elevated and valuable, then people will be attracted to it very naturally. It'll begin to have a magnetism that's kind of magical. It'll begin to attract people just by its own voice being big and bold in the world. So, that's very exciting and it's a huge focus on making it work. So if that's where you see in your, you know, in your three things in your business that you need to focus on, then come to me. I got you. Um, as you establish the value of your creative work, you begin to attract people to that value. I kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but it's, it really happens almost not without effort, but for sure with less effort because you can put your work on Pinterest. And it will begin to just attract people because your work is working. Your work is so beautiful and it's, it's attracting people like a magnet to itself. That's so much fun. It's so much fun. Um, you can also do this, like I said, by giving those words around your work. So like I said, you have influence over how your work is perceived. If you use words like, I created a thing, here it is. Well, 
that just like cuts your work off at the knees. I created a thing, here it is. In fact, I have a good example of this. I write poetry, um, but I'm not a poet. I don't think of myself as a poet. I don't elevate my poetry. I don't elevate the things that I write in any way at all. And I actually have a hard time calling them poems. In fact, just then I was like, I write poetry. <laughs> I literally call them things that I write because I have a hard time giving it that value and giving it that um, prominence that maybe it should have. You know, maybe I have to do that inner work and go back to that day one content and really figure out why do these words matter to me? Why do my poems matter to me? Why do these messages matter to me with my, with my writing? So once you've done that inner work and you know that your work is valuable and you know that it brings you great joy and great value, then the words that you use out in the world on your Instagram captions, on your website, as you speak about your work at shows, as you write your artist statements, as however your work is being seen out in the world, the words that you use are so important. Um, I know that it's a bit old school to maybe not call your work pretty or not, not, not even pretty. It's not quite the right word, but to call your work beautiful or meaningful or, um, you know, you're proud of it to say that you're proud of it. I know that in the old fine art world, capital F capital a world, that was kind of gauche and, you know, looked down on and people were like, no, 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 don't do that. That rubs me the wrong way. Because if you're showing up as an authentic artist, if you are showing up in your creative practice and finding beauty and joy and light and happiness and contentment there, then why would you not share that exact same thing out in the world? Why would you cut your work down and make it small and put it in a little box and not call it beautiful? Like, why? That actually really, it hurts me because I know that my students have gotten that advice from gallery curators or from people that are, you know, a little bit maybe more established in the art world or have that track record of the old art world is infusing them with, you know, it's, it's advice. That world, it's not effective anymore. It is completely appropriate for you to call your work beautiful and to call your work meaningful and to call your work valuable. If you don't call your work valuable, no one else will. Nobody else will. They will move right past it. They will look for that next thing that is actually put on that pedestal and actually given that voice that is important. So call your work what it is. Your work is meaningful. Your work is beautiful. Your work is powerful. Your work has prominence in your life and it showed in other people's lives also. Clearly I can get very worked up about this because it really matters. It's mattered in my business. It's mattered in how my collectors perceive my work. It's mattered in my profits. It's mattered in how my collections sell and it will matter in yours as well. If you can own the fact that you create beauty, you can own the fact that that work matters, that it's good, that it's worth being elevated, then your collectors will go, oh, you're so right. Yes, it's actually really beautiful and I like that. I need it on my wall. So, or in, on my body or whatever, whatever you create. Um, I just imagine someone putting a painting on their body when I said that, and that's just weird. <laughs> but apply that, that, you know, that metaphor towards whatever you create. If you create tables and they need it on their, in their house. If you create scarves and need it on their, on their body. So, you know, you're wise. Um, but let's talk about how to do this. I'm gonna take a sip. Um, you can elevate your work 
and give it that voice that you intended to have in the world. You're, you're still alive. You can still do this. Like Monet can't do this anymore. I'm sure that he would, well, I don't know. He might be like, what the heck? My work took off and now it's taking over the world and now it's on socks. Why is it on socks? You know, he might not love that, but, um, you have the ability to really stay with your work because you are still living. You're still actively promoting your work. You're still growing this, you know, your studio on your own. So that means that you have the ability to use words intentionally around your work. You also have the ability of sharing images that elevate your work. A lot of artists, this is where I see a lot of artists not excel. Um, and I just want to be frank about that because I get to see thousands of artists' websites. I get to see thousands of creatives. I get to help them in my courses and inside of my membership. And, you know, I'm just in this world. And the main area that I see artists needing to improve is number one, owning how valuable their work is. And two, the photos that they offer the world are not up to par. They're not good. <laughs> They're just not good enough. Um, a, a good photo is one that is clear and beautiful and elevates your work. It's a quality photo. It's not cluttered. It's not distracted. It's not feeling chaotic. It's, um, it conveys your aesthetic. It conveys your aesthetic beautifully. Um, it's not heavily filtered. If you're sharing, if you, let's say that you create um, a mug and the mug that you created, actually, let me just, well, I don't want to, re I don't want to unplug myself because then I'll get all tangled up. But let's say that you create, there's a vase. You can see that vase right over there. A beautiful, it's like crackled. It has these beautiful hairline fractures throughout all of it. And it's so pretty. I love it. I bought that via the internet. Um, I have a friend that lives in Oxford. She created this beautiful vase. Um, Katie Coaston is her name, Illyria Pottery. And the photo was clear, it was beautiful. I got it and I was like, yep, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Exactly what I expected. And it's even more beautiful in real life. And I'm so happy. Had she put a filter on it that made it look blue or too sepia toned or too vintage or kind of, you know, it was just not quite clear, like a beautiful Instagram story filter, but you know, that's very trendy, but it's not honest, right? Like it's not, it's not honest. When you're conveying the value of your work, you want your photos to be so clear and so honest. You want to have photos that elevate how beautiful the work actually is. You don't need to filter your work. You don't need to make it brown. You don't need to make it blue. It can be honest because it is actually beautiful in real life. So just take that and play with it in your mind. How can you elevate your photography? Photography is the only way someone gets to experience your work until they hold it in their own two hands, especially if you're selling online. If you're selling online, they only have a screen and a photo to go off of. And if they can't trust that photo, if it's not really conveying the value of what you create, they're going to turn away. They don't trust it. They don't know. They can't, they can't tell how beautiful it really is. So, okay. I'll stop on that. We, we talk about that in such greater depth inside of the course, how to really elevate your photography, what photos you need to share, what to put in your listings, how to get, you know, how to work with a photographer, how to um, share that, you know, beautifully with your audience and all the things. So we'll talk more about that. When you know who you, who you are speaking to, you can adjust your language to meet them. So what I mean by this is 
when you know who you're talking to. For instance, if I'm talking to a cold audience that doesn't really know my work, they don't really know what I create, I'm gonna use language that's much more fun or foundational. I'm gonna say I am an abstract impressionist landscape painter. I paint in oil, I paint landscapes that are inspired by my travels and by my you know childhood living abroad and whatever. I'll tell the whole story from the beginning because they don't know me. They need to know that whole story. If I'm talking to someone that knows me, I can get a little bit more granular and I can talk about this body of work or this pigment or this um, something that's more minute inside of the painting itself. So um, yeah, you can kind of direct your conversation to who it should go to, which is why it's important to know who you're talking to and what, what audience you want to meet. Um, this also leads to really natural organic marketing, which I love organic marketing. Organic marketing is meeting and attracting people because they are attracted to what you're offering naturally. You're just putting your work out into the world intentionally and with direction and with, you know, some algorithmic smarts, of course, but the work itself is speaking on its own and attracting people to it. You're not using a lot of lead magnets or paying for a lot of targeted ads or doing things that are a little bit less organic, although those can still be organic, but they're not quite as organic. They're like, you know, semi-organic, <laughs> just a little, a little uh, crafting there. Um, organic marketing is how I've grown my business from day one. I have grown 100% via organic marketing and it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it because it means that my connection with my audience is pretty strong and they know me because of me, which, and because of my work, um, which I really love because it takes a lot of stress away from me. Um, I can just be myself, be open, be authentic, be honest, and show up in the world. Okay, let's define who your ideal customer and collector is and where they feel most comfortable. Because when you know why your work matters to you, you know that it's showing up in the world in a certain way and it's being perceived in a certain way. It's actually, you know, being heard and seen and it's communicating effectively on its own. Then you know where to put your work out in the world. Um, I always think of marketing as a creative medium. So in fact, I wrote this on a Maybe it was like two days ago or yesterday. I'm not sure. But inside of the collective, um, one of the members was talking about her collection launch and, um, you know, just kind of how to progress from here. And I use the phrase, now you get to work in a new medium, which is marketing. And when you can think of, of marketing as a place to play creatively, you get to show up in that place and it becomes a lot of fun to market your work. It becomes a lot of fun to, you know, meet your audience and to communicate with them and to see how you can, again, like reiterate and improve, reiterate and improve. Just let that be a constant evolution process inside of you and with your work happening out in the world. So um, that's one thing that I really love to think about. But define who your ideal customer is. So again, who is not your ideal customer? So again, I use that example, high school boys, not my customer, not in the slightest. Um, there are other things you can get more granular. My, my ideal customer is someone that owns their own home. Um, if I can find someone, if I can, you know, really attract someone that loves making a beautiful home, they love making their home intentional. They also love travel. They love their family. They really care about creating this, this cocoon around their life that is intentional and thoughtful and beautiful. Um, some of my very best collectors are actually not living in the U.S. They actually may be from the U.S., but they now live in 
in Italy, or they live in Saudi Arabia, or they live in Japan. And they're creating that sense of, of belonging as they move in different places, which is really, really very special for me to think about because I also grew up moving around quite a lot. And I know how that feels. I know how it feels to feel like you need that sense of belonging and that sense of place. So a lot of my customers are, um, or my collectors are creating that sense of place, whether it's where they've grown up and they've lived their whole life, or they are transplanting themselves to new areas and wanting that, oh, I belong here. This is my home and I love my home. So um, think about who your ideal customer is. And if it's helpful to narrow it down, who is not your ideal customer? What, and you can get, not you're not judging anybody. You're just getting honest. Like who doesn't want your work? And that's okay. That's totally okay that someone doesn't want your work. It's nothing, nothing against you. You should not please the masses. You cannot please the masses. You don't have enough energy for that. You cannot be right for everybody. So who are you right for? Who is your work right for? Keeping your voice and vision in mind, who is naturally attracted to your work the most? And um, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow when we talk about how to create that visual package, how to really elevate the, the essence that your work is, is being perceived as in the world, your, your brand, if you will. I know that word can feel kind of slimy, but um, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, how to really put your work out there in a way that is easily perceived, really beautiful, and really um, enticing, really attractive to your, to your right person. Who does your work appeal to? Where do these people spend time online or in person? And really use your, use your wisdom here because I think a lot of times we gravitate towards where we feel most comfortable. Like I said, if I were doing what I feel most comfortable doing, I would sit in my living room and just type on Instagram and do nothing else, <laughs> right? But my audience might not just be on Instagram. In fact, they are not just on Instagram. Um, your collectors may not be there at all. So think about where are my collectors actually spending time? Use your empathy. We'll talk more about empathy in just, just a minute. But use your empathy to think where are they already most comfortable? Where can I already go to meet them where they are already hanging out, already enjoying life, and already spending time naturally? Yesterday, someone asked about um, how to sell their cycling artwork. Where is the cycling community already spending time? Where are they already spending their free time hanging out with each other, finding community, finding joy? Where are they already shopping? Where are they already going to find that elevated product for themselves? So kind of think, who is my ideal person? And then where can I find them right now out in the world? This is a place where you can use a lot of creativity also and really like, you know, Use your empathy, use your creativity to find those pockets of subcultures, which is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Okay, let's recap. Um, get clear on why your work matters to you. Look at your work from the outside and see if that message is being conveyed clearly. And if not, either get okay with that, like be okay with it having a different voice than you intended it for, <laughs> intended for it to have, or go back to your work and think, how can I make it more in line with my voice, more in line with what I want to say in the world. Next is to learn to convey that value and that voice to others. And then four, to find who your ideal customer is and where they feel most comfortable. And five, let's talk about empathy because empathy is the most effective component to marketing. And this is where I think I differ from a lot of like bro marketers or people that teach marketing on the internet 
And I think it's partly because I am a, I'm an artist first. I'm a creative first and foremost. And I understand the emotional component that goes into that creative work. And I think that should be completely infused into your marketing as well. I think that that exact same process shows up in the studio and in your marketing practice. Marketing is a medium. So kind of think of it that way. But as you're viewing your work from the outside and thinking, who is my ideal audience? Who is my ideal person? How can I use empathy to bring this beautiful thing that I acknowledge is good? I acknowledge that it's needed in my life. If nothing else, it's needed inside of my life, which probably means that someone else needs it too. Someone else probably also needs to um, experience this or be with it or enjoy it as well because it's so good. It's so meaningful to you and probably will also impact someone else. So how can you use empathy to share that beauty and that meaning with someone else? Let's take it a little bit further and think, okay, now they've seen my work and now they're enjoying it. How can I make buying my work so, so simple? <laughs> and again, this goes back to making things easy for your person. Use empathy to make this entire process gentle and easy for them. Um, again, going back to mistakes that I see a lot of creatives making, Photography is not communicating work properly is probably mistake number one. Mistake number two, heading right up next to it, is websites are so chaotic and so confusing or they're so boring. I need more. I need more beauty. I need more juice. I need more of that goodness. So look at your work from the outside and think if you have a website or if you have a shop, or if you have any place to meet your work, whether that's Instagram or wherever, think how is my ideal person coming into this space? And then how do they feel once they get here? Are they getting enough? Are they getting too much? Are they bombarded? Is it overwhelming? Is it, is it a good experience? Are they, are they seeing the value clearly within just a few seconds? Um, so kind of think through that from, from the outside. Again, like use empathy and think, how does this feel for the person coming in? Are my photographs conveying the value of my work? Is my highest work? We'll talk about that in making artwork, establishing what that is and making it the most important thing in your business. Is your highest work being clearly communicated? Where are people already comfortable and how can I match that energy in that space properly? And then once you have the answers to those things, your work is going to speak for itself boldly and beautifully in the world. I guarantee it. Those are the, like, that's all you have to do. Honestly, like that is the essence in a nutshell of what making artwork offers you. We go into depth on how to do all those things, of course, but if you can get those things working in your business, you will grow a business and you will thrive and it can feel gentle for you. It can feel gentle on your energy and it can feel so effortless for your perfect person to, to come into that space and to meet that work where it is. So, okay. Before these questions can have a meaningful impact in your business, it's important to know who your work is naturally attracting and if that value is being established in their eyes. So really that's the crux of this is you know why it matters to you. You know that the work is communicating properly. You know who it should be meeting. Now, is it meeting them there? So kind of like this little dance back and forth that we're doing. Is everything communicating properly all together? Remember the three things, your, your work is good, your audience, well, I'll do them in order, sorry. Your work is good, 
your marketing is effective, your audience is the right audience. If all three of those are working in harmony, your work will sell and it will find its perfect person and you will grow your business and you will be able to come back to the studio happy and, and, and thriving. Okay, so this is the day to share your vision with your audience. This is the workbook for today. Um, download this and work through this. This will make, I think journaling through these things will really help it to settle into you and into your business because I know it can feel very much like, okay, yeah, Emily, you talked for, gosh, like 30 minutes now about all these things, but how do they actually, oh gosh, 53 minutes, good gracious. Okay, I was long-winded today. We had a lot to get through, it's fine. Um, but as you work through this for yourself and as you work through this in your business and make it really practical for you, it's gonna make a lot more sense. So work through these questions and really spend time with, with them. What makes your work unique? Where do you find your unique inspiration? What stories does your work tell? Define your ideal customer and where they feel most comfortable. How can you use empathy to show your work effectively? And then I love these prompts down here. What is one way I can make buying my work a little more effortless? And this is something that you can just, you can just perfect little bit by little bit. You don't have to overhaul everything at once. You don't have to know how to do everything at once. You can just make little changes one after another. Are my photographs conveying the value of my work? Is my highest work being clearly communicated? And then take action. Okay, so here's our action item for the day. Are you ready? I want you to practice doing this inside of this group. I know it can feel really daunting to just do this out in the world, especially if you are not comfortable with this yet or you haven't practiced this a lot yet. Practice here. You are in a safe space. You are in a group that is so, we all get it. Like we all get it. We're all doing it and it's nerve wracking and we're all, we understand more than any group on the internet will understand. So practice here where you are safe and where you will have no criticism and where we're just going to help you grow. Um, so share your work, introduce yourself, introduce your work, um, add a link to your website if you wanna do that. Really just, just give us the answers to these questions in whatever way you wanna do so. It can be simple, it can be long, whatever you want. I would love to get to know you and your work better in that way. That'd be an honor. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, I am going to, um, I'll answer questions tomorrow, I think, because I know that we probably have quite a few. So hold your questions for tomorrow. If you want to like copy and paste them and save them and, and ask them again tomorrow, I would very much like that. Or alternatively, ask them in the Facebook group and I will, I'll do my best to hop in there today because I know that, um, there's a lot to get through that. Okay, guys, bye for now. Oh, that was a good one. I hope that your notebook page is very full. I hope that your heart is even fuller. It was an honor to talk with that community today and to talk with you here on this podcast platform. If you'd like more information about making artwork, I mentioned that several times in this live. Making artwork is a course that I teach for creative entrepreneurs. This is our third year running the course and each year it's gotten better and more beautiful. The community that is attracted to this course is so passionate and encouraging and empowering. It is an incredible group and I can already sense that 2021 is going to be no exceptions. My DMs are full of people that are ready to take their creative work to the next level, to grow their creative businesses, to really see how they can make a bigger impact in the world. 
because that's what creative work does best. It makes an impact in the lives of others. What a beautiful honor. If you'd like to join us, doors open on Thursday. On Thursday. Oh my goodness, that is so soon. Go learn more. EmilyJeffordsLearn.com forward slash course. I'll put a link below. I would love to see you in the course. Okay, bye for now.